Because at the end of the day, we must come from the realization after reading the life of Abraham that God is faithful. Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Danae, and I'm going to be your host for this season. Now, on Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear the biblical messages of Michael Gibson. He's the pastor for Elevate, which is a community fellowship in Keene Church. Now, I want you to experience faith as that continual everyday process of learning. It doesn't just happen once. We need to learn more about the Bible, helps us learn more about ourselves, and ultimately, our goal to learn more about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come a little bit closer in your relationship with God and make it real. If you haven't listened to the first few episodes of this season yet, you would definitely want to. This is the third episode of Wandering, our very first season that follows the wandering life of Abraham, the patriarch of Genesis. This episode asks the question, when was the last time God kept his promise to you? Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and haven't heard an answer. Or maybe the answer has shown up right after you've said amen. Either way, sometimes it's hard to trust that God is going to keep his promises. Abraham's life in Genesis 14 and 15 wrestles with promises fulfilled and unfulfilled. Let's join Pastor Michael for today's episode, Shipment Delayed. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. Glad to be back. I missed you, honestly. I was gone for the past couple weeks doing some traveling with our Elevate Lead team and with our campus ministries team from Southwestern Adventist University. And I tell you, and I believe it, and I hope you do too, that there's no place like home. A place that you can come back to, a place that you can feel like you belong and you're a part of something bigger. And I hope that this faith community that we call Elevate, that meets here at the Keene Seventh-day Adventist Church and is part of a greater body of believers called the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's my hope and prayer that you'll come to know Jesus better by being in this space and come to find a place that you can call home and that you can belong. A couple things before we get into our, our message today. Man, there's been all kinds of awesome stuff going on. I uh, want to tell you about a couple things, a couple pictures up on the screen we took our, uh, our Elevate lead team up to uh, an event called The One Project. There's us in Boulder, Colorado. There was snow on the ground. We got to sneak away a little bit. We'll go to the next one, Candace. Um, there's everything at that conference. It's an Adventist conference, it's a worship conference. Their theme is Jesus, full stop, all, full stop. And they talk about how we can integrate all of Jesus into all of life. And our lead team was there, and we, man, we worshiped. We heard some fantastic words. There's some more uh, pictures of us there. And we just had a fantastic time, came back refreshed. That was two weeks ago over Sunday, Monday. And then last week, I wasn't able to be here because I was over in Cahada Springs, Georgia, put up the next picture with our campus ministries team uh, from Spiritual Life and Development at Southwestern. Um, we had a fantastic time over there um, getting to know some other campus leaders on all of our um, sister universities within the Adventist Church, um, get to know their chaplains and their student leaders. Uh, and it was just a fantastic time. Um, but like I said, there's no place like home to come back to. So this morning, we're going to start off with uh, our shop talk, what we've been talking about. And Candace, if you can get our questions ready. We did this a couple of weeks ago um, where I put some statements up on the screen. You had the opportunity to pull out your phone and respond to that. We're going to do that again because we want to keep um, hearing from you uh, what your thoughts and feelings are in terms of, of how Elevate is working and flowing. So if we get that up on the screen, I think it's going to work here. Slowly by jerks, we'll get it over there. You'll have the opportunity to respond. So go ahead and pull your, your phone out and get ready for this. 
They're saying, wait. They're saying, wait. They're giving me signals. It's coming, I promise. We tested it this morning. Ha! There it is. All right, so join, go over to slido.com. Use the code 114. 114 is our address here at Keen. Um, and then I'd like you to answer this question. Now, this is going up unmoderated, so please don't get silly with us. Uh, but what's mainly responsible for drawing you to elevate? Why do you come? Why are you here? What's the reason that you're coming? You can do short answer. Um, you can put a paragraph up there. Um, I'll leave this up. I don't see any responses yet. You're able to get in. There we go. The atmosphere, the speaker, thank you. Maybe you come in spite of me. I don't know. The music, messages, community. Keep them coming. Nine, ten. It's close to the dorm. I like that one. Youthful worship. Visiting the sermon. It's simple. Song service. Keep them coming. There's probably about 100 of us in the room. I think we can get some more responses here before we move on to the next one. Potluck. Man, we should do some potluck, shouldn't we? Um, it's the closest English church. Swahoo community. Breakfast. I was hoping that one was going to slot up there. How many of you enjoyed breakfast this morning? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Maybe next week some of you can come to that as well. All right. We're sneaking up there. Can we get to 75 before we move on? Let's see. Not too liberal, not too traditional. All right. The coffee cake must have been good today. I want it in my life. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. I'll put this one up. I feel welcomed at Elevate. Scale of one to five, five being absolutely yes, one being eh, not really. Lots of fours slotting in there. All right. Some good responses here. And there's 1% hanging out on the two. If you've set a two, I'd love to, love to talk to you and hear from you. Like, uh, you maybe not feel as welcomed here. We'd love to get your perspective on that. But it seems like uh, pretty much across the board, over 75%, we could be happy that you feel welcomed here. Um, and then the last one, I understand the mission of Elevate. And I want you to respond to this honestly. Because we talk about their, their welcome home. There's room for one more. We talk about that a lot. But I'm just curious if we've articulated a clear enough vision, if that's understanding. Looks like we're falling kind of mid-range there, which I appreciate. I'm thankful for that because it means that those of us that step up here uh, to speak and those who post on social media and how we interact, uh, we've got to be a little bit more clear about where we're headed. And I'd love also your response. We'll do some more um, next week. But hey, what do you think our mission should be? Where should we, what, what's our target? Where, where are we going for? How are we helping people connect with Jesus right here in this space? So 93, close. Can we get to 100? Maybe we did it last time we did this. <sighs> 94 is it. All right, anybody else wanted to answer the first one? You just, you were anxious Anybody else want to chime in on that? It's mainly responsible for bringing you. All right. Thanks. I appreciate that. Spiritual food. That's good. All right. We're going to leave this one up. You can still access it, but we'll take it off the screen because I've got one more thing that I want to share with you this morning before we move on. If we could put up the Venmo slide is what I'm looking for. So we ran some tests this past week. 
And Venmo is officially set up, and we've got it connected to our bank account here at the church. So if you've been one of the ones that's come to me and said, hey, I, I don't carry cash. What's this green stuff? Uh, I've only got a bank card or a credit card. Um, you can scan that QR code right now or search for the name Keen Church in the app called Venmo, not Vimeo, but Venmo. Um, and those of you that don't know what we're talking about, it's okay. Just kind of tune out for about 30 seconds, and then we'll come back. Um, we're going to be talking in the next few weeks about how we handle uh, money here in Elevate and where things go and what it means to give to Elevate, what it means to give to the, the church body at large to take care of the other ministries that are going on here, the things that keep the lights on, keep our Sabbath schools running, um, our homeless ministries and all those things. Um, but we encourage you, if it makes it a little bit more convenient for you, um, to put this up here. And I realized just now that I forgot to update it because we did get an update. If you need to put in an access code, that access code is 2044. That should have been on the slide, and I didn't put it in there. And Candace, it's not your fault, so don't worry about it. Um, but if you need to put in a code, 2044 is that, and you'll have the opportunity to give a little bit later when we play our Community Life video. So, good to go, clear as mud, and it covers the ground? This is yes, this is no. Yeah, we good? Okay. Thank you for your continued support. Um, everything that you give through Venmo goes straight to Elevate, so you don't have to worry about that scattering off. But we thank you so much uh, for your continued support in that way. As we start off today, if we, as we open up God's word, I invite you to bow your heads with me and pray. Father God, we thank you for this space, and we thank you for the time that we have to be right here in your presence. Thank you for the worship team that's brought us before your throne of grace. We believe in you, Jesus, and that's why we've come here to gather. And I pray today, Lord, as we open up your word, that you, the author of scripture, would sit down beside us and show us what you would have us to know today. We leave all of that in your hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A moment ago, Paulino shared the question, when was the last time God kept his promise to you? I want you to think about that for a moment. When was the last time God kept his promise to you? There's an assumption made in that question that perhaps God hasn't kept his promise to you. And if we were to share this morning within this group, we would probably hear story after story of maybe didn't, things didn't turn out exactly as you thought they would. Maybe the promise that you received from God, you read in scripture and you said, crying out to God, God, I'm reading this, but I'm not seeing it. We ponder and think about that in our minds. Today we're headed back to the life of Abraham, the book of Genesis. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to move this right on over here. Got to be closer. I can't be too far back. Genesis chapter 15 is where we're picking up in the story of Abraham in our series that we're calling Wandering. And this is part three, shipment delayed, as we move from the known to the unknown. And God has a message for us here this morning. We started off with this invitation, and Bob Goff summarized it this way, and Love Does, page 197. Yet they didn't need all the details. He's talking about the disciples, but we applied this to Abraham, because they were on an adventure with a father who wanted to take them. You don't need to know everything when you're with someone you trust. As we move from the known to the unknown in our relationship with God, we don't need to know everything because we're with a father who loves us and is inviting us on an adventure. And you remember Abraham's response. He was the one that was invited on that great adventure by a father who loved him. And in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham journeyed on, continuing toward the Southlands. 
There was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And a map on the screen, just to remind you of his journey, starting over in Ur on the right-hand side and arcing up over Mesopotamia, stopping in Haran for just a few moments and headed on down towards the promised land into Canaan and ultimately into Egypt and then back. And we looked at how God provides for us both in feast and in famine. And it's our response to the feast and famine that determines where we go. And Abraham comes back, Genesis chapter 13. Abraham moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And it was there when Abraham stopped, when he stopped worrying about where he was going and which way he had let Lot go on his direction. And Abraham said, God, I'm going sit, to sit right here. And so you bless me until that blessing is realized. And he stops for that moment. And we journey on into Genesis 14. And we don't have time today to get into the details of Genesis chapter 14. But here's the breakdown. We're going to be spending most of our time in 15. But we have to understand 14 in order to get to 15. In the beginning part of Genesis chapter 14, there's regional wars that break out. There's this set of kings that's in this alliance. And there's this one king that the rest of the kings don't like. And they put up with him for about 12 or 13 years, and it gets to that 13th year, and they're like, we've had enough, we're going to war against this king. They go to war, they gather all their troops and their forces together, and they conquer that king, and amidst of all that, remember, Lot went down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah captured, and Lot, Abraham's nephew, is captured as a prisoner of war. And Abraham hears about this, and he's distraught because the, the way that Genesis 14 describes it, Abraham is thinking of Lot not only as just his nephew, but his kinsman or as his brother. He's like, I've got to go out. I've got I've to get this guy back. So Abram brings his troops, and we come to find out that there's about 300 able-bodied men in Abraham's camp. They're ready for war. And they go down and send everybody away. They rescue Sodom and Gomorrah. They rescue Lot. Lot's brought back into the fold. And it's at that moment that Abram has the opportunity to take of the spoils of his plunder the king of Sodom and the king of Salem, a guy by the name of Melchizedek, are both willing right there and then to tell Abram, here, take, take everything. Abraham says, hold on, no, 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 no. You don't get it. Because God's the one that's promised me something. I can't, I can't receive it from you. And it's in Genesis chapter 14. Put the verse up on the screen for you. Should be the next slide. There we go, 22 and 23. I have sworn to the Lord God most high, he's talking to the king of Salem and the king of Sodom, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. He says, no, 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 no. Not, not, I'm not gonna do this because I'm the one who's serving God. And God's the one that's providing the blessing for me. So he leaves that place and he goes back to where he had settled. And remember, it was the calling of Abraham that made him trust in God. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verses two and three. I'll make you a great nation, I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and so, shall be, so you shall be a blessing. Verse three, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And it's Abraham who lives his life according to this promise. And it's what sets his course for Genesis chapter 15. It's in verses 1 through 3. It reads this way. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, 
saying, do not fear, Abram. I am your shield. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given me no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Abram at this point is struggling because he's heard the blessing of God. He said, God, you, you said, you promised you were going to bless. You were going to provide for generations after me. I don't even have a son yet, and I've got to give it to some guy named Eleazar. Sorry if you're named Eleazar. I'm, I'm sorry. But he doesn't want to give it to him because he's just another guy in his house. And he says, God, you promised that I was going to get an heir. You promised that there were going to be generations after me. And I've accumulated all this wealth because of you. And now I've got nowhere to give it. And publicly to Melchizedek and to the king of Sodom, Abraham has said, no, don't worry. God's going to take care of me. Have you ever gone about in your life in the public spheres and the people that you interact with and they say, how are you doing? I say, fantastic. Things are great. And then you go home at night and cry in your closet in the fetal position. Because things aren't actually fantastic and things aren't actually great. That's Abraham in, in these moments. Because he's heard the blessing and the promise of God, but he hasn't seen it yet. And by the way, it's likely that there's been 10 to 15 years that have transpired between when Abraham was first called at 75 and when God comes to him here and says, Abraham, don't fear. Don't worry, your reward is going to be great. And I can imagine those conversations that Abram had with God, saying, God, where is it at? Where is it coming? Where is the blessing that you're going to give me that you promised me? But God's not finished with Abram here in this moment. Because you see, God is intentionally delaying his blessing to Abraham to teach him a lesson. And you might have been in this experience well. You understand Abraham's struggle because the shipment has been delayed. You go onto Amazon and you have ordered a package and that two-day prime shipping is just fantastic. You order it one night, it's there two days later, and you get the notification that the shipment has been delayed. Oh, what am I going to do? And we think back to the times that it took Amazon two weeks to get us something, and it's like, oh, this isn't so bad. And you think about the times that you actually had to go to the store and talk to people to buy things. Now, that's even scarier, right? But the shipment has been delayed. Abraham's wondering, what's, what's going on? And God says, hold on. I'm doing something with you, Abram. I'm doing something. Genesis chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir. Don't worry about it, Abram. Eleazar is not going to be your heir. But one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing here. We know if we, if we know this story, we know God's talking about Isaac. But even then, there's even a further foreshadowing looking forward to the Messiah who ultimately was from Abraham, who's coming to save the world. And God says, don't worry, your inheritor is soon to come. Verse 5, and he took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. And in this moment, we're keyed into a particular aspect of the story that we didn't know thus far. All of a sudden, in our mind, Abraham is sitting inside his tent. And he's crying out to God. He says, God, look around. And I imagine Abraham in his uh, four-man Coleman pop-up tent, and he's got his mummy sleeping bag, and he's like, God. Everything's zipped up tight. Sarah is sleeping next to him. God, what's, what's going on? Where's, where's the blessing? And he's looking up, and the ceiling's like right here. He's like, where's the blessing at? God says, no, Abram, I need to change your perspective. I need you to see something that you can't particularly see right now. Why don't you step outside of the tent? 
And Abram might have said, oh, well, you know, it's kind of cold out there, God. It's, it's nice and warm in here. God says, no, I've got something for you. I've got something bigger. And Abram steps outside of the tent. And I can imagine God taking Abram's hand. He says, Abram, go on a walk with me. And they're walking along. God says, Abram, look up at the stars. You see how many of them are? There's, there's so many in the sky. That's the vision that I have for you. Forget about the, the, little, the, the one heir, the one son that you're thinking about. That, I've got a bigger vision. Abram had settled, clinging on to the fact that he needed to move his material possessions onto an heir that was of his flesh and blood. And God says, I've got something so much greater than that. Abraham, it's through you that thousands, millions upon billions of people will come to know who I am because of you. You're the father of many and many generations that I am choosing to be my people, not because they're anything, but because I, God, am their savior and have come to rescue them. Sometimes in our moments when we're wondering whether God is actually hearing and answering our prayers, God doesn't answer them. He simply shifts our perspective. He said, you've been in your tent too long. It's getting a little stuffy in there. The ceiling is a little bit too low. I need you to catch a grander vision. I need you to, to back this out a little bit and to look up at the stars. That's what Abraham does. And he's not quite satisfied yet. But after his conversation with God, and we get down to verse 6 of Genesis chapter 15, it says, Then he believed in the Lord, and he, being God, reckoned it to him as righteousness. I don't know if there's somebody here this morning that needs to hear this verse, but did you catch what God did right there? Abraham did nothing except step outside of his tent and believe the words that God was saying to him. And it's in that moment Salvation for Abraham, credited right there as if it was written in God's accounting books. Abraham has righteousness. I don't know what you're going through or maybe what you're struggling with this week or even today. But simply by believing in the word of God, you can be saved. That's it. All you have to do is believe. As you're looking up the stars and you're catching the vision of what God has for your life, as you're wandering from the known to the unknown, if you simply believe God, you are counted righteous in his eyes. I don't know if there's someone here that needs to catch that this morning, but spend some moments today rereading Genesis 15, 1 through 6, and see how God is working in Abram's life and how you can apply that to your own. Abram believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But God's not done yet, because he told Abram about his heir and the person that was supposed to come. And God says, let me remind you in verse 7. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Remember that, Abram. Remember, I'm the one that called you from the beginning. I haven't called you to disappoint you. I haven't called you to put you, well, I'm going to put you in some tough situations. But remember, I'm the one who's calling you for this purpose, to give you this land to possess it. And Abraham, again, God's promising, Abraham's doubting, and then God confirms it. And again here, Abraham, or God promises Abraham doubts. He says, oh Lord, how may I know that I will possess it? Don't we cling to God's promises in that way sometimes? We're wondering, God, okay, yeah, you promised it, but how, how, do, I, how do I know no? How do I know that this is actually what you've promised for me, that this is going to be applied to my life? 
And God does something with Abram that at first gets a little bit weird and then tells us and shows us an incredible example of who God is and what he wants to do for us. It's in verse 9. God speaking to Abram, he said to him, bring me three, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old lamb, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite of the other. But he did not cut the birds. And the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. And now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. This gets a little weird. Weirder than Walmart at 2 a.m. in the morning, okay? We kind of sometimes glance over what's going on in Scripture, and we're saying, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay. He cut some animals in half, and it's great, and whatever. But I thought this morning that, you know, I... Who's a visual learner in here? Is anybody a visual learner? Okay, there's a lot of us here gathered this morning. I thought maybe a, a visual representation of that. And it didn't take me about more than 10 minutes to find some roadkill that I think, you know, we can split apart here this morning. So um, let, me, let me pull that out real quick. Oh, All right. Should I be wearing gloves? Yes? Uh, it's okay. No coronavirus in here. So A little southwestern bear got his little thing going on, okay? So imagine for a moment, Abraham, he grabs the animals. Now, these are living animals. They're not dead animals. And he takes those animals, and he cuts them in half. No, I'm not actually going to do it. I'm not actually going to do it. But you've got that, vi- that visual in your head, and imagine there, there's another one. Maybe a little bit bigger one. This one represents the birds, and the other one, and we got a little... And, and this one, if we just... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But you've got the image. Abram's got the animals laid out, and he splits them apart. And this is not just some weird custom that God just kind of comes up with. He's using an ancient Near East tradition. In the ancient Near East, the time that Abram lived, there would be kings and there would be vassals, and they would make covenants with one another. And animals would be slain, they would be cut in half, And then the vassal, the lesser two of the parties, would walk in between those animals. And if the vassal did not do the oath that he had sworn to, he would be ripped in half like those animals would be. And it would be a very visible reminder as animals are bleeding out and you're walking through them and perhaps even the blood touching the bottom of your feet of the sworn oath that you had taken. So this isn't new to Abraham. This is something that he's probably seen before. And so God tells him to do it, and he says, okay, yep, I'm the vassal. I'm the the lesser two of the party. God's the bigger party. And Ellen White cues us in a little bit more that Abraham is walking back and forth in between those animals, establishing his side of the covenant. And he's keeping the, the vultures and the other birds away. And then God does something absolutely incredible and completely blows us out of the water. It's in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. God said to Abraham, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. Does that sound familiar, the Israelites in Egypt for 400 years? If you have time later, check out Exodus 12, verse 40, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 17. It talks about the time that the Israelites were in Egypt. God is telling Abraham what's to come of his further generations. God continues in verse 14, but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, Abram, don't worry. You shall go to your fathers in peace. 
you'll be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. And in verse 17, it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. God is actually the one in the story. Abraham is supposed to be the guy that's walking in between. He's saying, yes, God, if I don't keep my covenant with you, I'm going to be the one split apart. But God himself, the creator of the universe, the most powerful being that has ever existed, comes down in the form of an oven and of a flame and walks in between the animals and burns them up as a sacrifice. And that same God that did that for Abraham, the God that's saying, this is gonna happen to me if I don't keep my promise, is the same God that's making a promise to you today. Because at the end of the day, we must come from the realization after reading the life of Abraham that God is faithful. Yes, there's gonna be trials. Yes, there's gonna be difficult things where we're crying out to God and we're saying, God, where's, where's the promise? Been reading in scripture and you say all these good things are gonna happen and they just haven't, They haven't happened. God says, yes, they haven't happened yet. But I am still faithful. I am the God who walks in between the separated animals so that I can make a covenant with you. And as our praise team joins me back up on the stage to sing our last two songs, I want to leave you with two pieces of scripture. Because God is faithful. God of the universe, imagine how God is just loving Abraham in that moment, and he's saying, my child, my child, don't worry. I've got something so much bigger than you that you can't even comprehend, but maybe if I just show you the stars, you'll get it. It's a verse in Habakkuk, chapter two, verse three. I love the book of Habakkuk because it talks about a prophet who's very angry with God, and he tells God, the nations are destroying one another. All this violence is happening. God says, don't worry about it. Hang on, you're good. Don't worry about it. And Habakkuk's like, okay, yeah, no worries. I won't worry about it. But I'm going to stand up on the wall of the city. And I'm going to wait for your response, God. And I'm going to wait to see your promise fulfilled. And as soon as you reply to me, I'm going to have something to say back to you. And this is how God replies to Habakkuk. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will surely come. It will not delay. That's tough news to hear because we want assurance now. We want the vision, the promise that God has given to us. We want it now. out to God saying, God, what, what, come on, let me hear it, I want to see it. I'll leave you with a verse from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He is able, God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works Sometimes we're living inside of our tent and we're thinking here. 
God says, no, no, no. It's time to rip that tent open. I want you to see the stars. I want you to see what I'm working with. And I'm the one that's going to come down and make a covenant with you right here, right now. It's going to be bloody and it's going to be gory, but it's how I need to express my commitment and my covenant with you. So today, whatever you're facing, whatever that promise is that just flies in your face every time something happens and the devil uses that and see, hey, God's not, not, God's not doing that for you yet. God's not doing that for you yet. And you can reply, yes, exactly. God's not doing it for me yet. But he will because he's faithful and his promises ring true. The end of the day from the life of Abraham is we're wandering from the known to the unknown. It's my prayer that you will find a dynamic living relationship with a God who is faithful. Thank you so much for listening. Man, I really love that point. It was like at the very beginning, you don't need to know everything when you're with somebody that you trust. You know, Abraham really had to forget about everything that he thought was possible because God was going to do way more than he could ever think or imagine. We see impossibilities. God has a thousand ways to provide for those impossibilities. So we have to let go of complete control over our life's plans. It feels really good to know what we're going to do, to get it done and to check it off our list. I'm a list person myself, but you really have to let go. And let that complete control be in God's hands and make plans, yes, but make surrenderable plans. You know, God says that I have not called you to disappoint you. I really liked that point. If we are alive and breathing, he has a plan for our lives. And just as God used a Middle Eastern ritual that Abraham understood to make a promise that is a little gory to me, but God used what Abraham understood to be a promise. And he did that with Abraham in the context that he understood. And he is going to do the same thing for us. He, he made us, he put us together, he breathed his breath into us, formed us in our mother's wombs. Don't you think he also knows how to help us understand that he's making a promise to us and his word is full of promises. We just have to believe. to Elevate Retake. Elevate Retake, it's recorded weekly at Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder and Isaac Chang. Our sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Elanis, Candice McCormick, Isa Manu, Semu Sialoga, and Alethea Galvin. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey. Stay connected. You can find Elevate on Instagram and Facebook at This Is Elevate TX. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10:15 a.m. on the Keen Church YouTube page. We'd love to have you join us. There is always room for one more.